Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz going to Minnesota and blow the Timberwolves out. Good win for the Jazz on the road. They're 2-0 on this four-game road trip. Donovan Mitchell was lights out shooting the ball. We'll get into that later in the hour. But I really love the flow of the game. Okay, didn't love the start. Quinn Snyder had to take out a timeout after two minutes because the Jazz were down 8-2, had two turnovers, gave up two transition layup dunks. Not good. But they came out of the timeout, snapped out of it, and only had like three turnovers in the next two and a half quarters. It was back and forth in the first half. The Jazz led by one. Their defense hadn't been good enough, but they were crushing it offensively. And they're up 60-59. to 59. But And I've said this before, and I, I really believe it. Um, when this Jazz group is at its best, it reminds me of the Stockton Malone team and the way they approach a game. First half is jabs to go with the boxing analogy, figure out what the other person, other team's going to do, how are they trying to get the shots, where are they trying to get them, how are they trying to defend you, where are they willing to concede because they can't take away everything. Figure out, see everything they're going to do, see their substitution patterns, figure it out, and then the third quarter, throw the knockout punch. And that Stockton Malone group, 97-98, they did that all the time. And that's what the Jazz did to the Wolves. It was 60-59 at halftime. They figured everything out. They crushed the Wolves. They crushed them. That game was over midway through the fourth quarter. And because there's so many possessions left and because coaches are really careful, the subs didn't come in for a couple more minutes. But it was clear where this was going. That was 18 minutes of a really good basketball from halftime until the middle of the fourth quarter. The Jazz just took Minnesota apart. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew where the shots were going to come. And they just crushed them. It was really well done. The only downside, and it actually makes the win more impressive, is that Hassan Whiteside didn't play. And Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gay, deep in the third quarter, had three and four fouls. And you're like, oh, these guys are getting foul trouble. You know, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to make shots and they're going to get stops. That's what they're going to do. And so the Jazz win going away. Good win for the Jazz. Also, BYU in state, big lead over Utah State. Hold off the inevitable Aggie rally and win the game. So... There you go with that one. Uh, BYU gets the in-state win at home, as they so frequently do. All right, we'll have more coming up into what is trending. Get to the day in sports. Right now, though, time to talk bowl games. Tyler Batty meeting with the media as BYU gears up for UAB and the Independence Bowl. Tyler, I wanted to ask you what it was like as a player over the last few days waiting to see if there might be a shot at a new year six game and then ending up going to an independence and playing, you know, a good opponent, but you know, what kind of the, the status quo, what you were expecting, what was that like? Uh, I think everyone knew uh, really our chances on going to a new year six uh, pretty slim. And so, you know, always hopeful, but, uh, but excited to play in the independence bowl. All right. Let's uh, take question now from Mitch Harper and then Jay drew. Yeah, Tyler, uh, what will uh, what do you hope to see the, the defense uh, do to Im- improve in this last opportunity this season? Um, I would just again just uh, some I've said before is just making sure everyone's doing their job. Um, I'd love to see, see us be able to stop the the rushing game a little bit more, especially coming in uh, CAB um, coming off USC to be able to, to shut run game down and. Uh, and just clean things up overall, just continue to improve. Hey, Tyler, uh, UAB players are said they're stoked to play the number 13 team in the country. What 
will motivate BYU's players to face UAB? It's another chance to get to do what we love. Uh, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're playing football, you you have to love it um, a lot, <laughs> you know, to, to keep up with the grind. And so, and so for us, it's another it's another opportunity to go out on the field with with our teammates, with our brothers, um, go have fun and do what we do. Okay, we'll have questions now from Dick Harmon and then Sean Walker. Kyder, uh, you've been through injuries before and you've had to play hurt and uh, banged up. I just wonder what the team, uh, what, what your group is like right now on the defensive line, um, how you guys are approaching, you know, playing, coming off injuries. And then get your take on Tyler Algier. He's kind of carried a big load this year. He's been banged up. He's been through a lot. Um, what have you noticed about him and uh, bowl preparations over the last 24 hours or last few days? Yeah. Um, to start with our D line. Yeah. Uh, especially in the trenches, uh, you, you get banged up O line D line, um, get banged up, but, uh, I'm excited. We, our dudes, our dudes are pretty healthy. And so, uh, it's been nice to have a little bit of time kind of heal up, get the body right. Um, as we start into the, into the bowl prep and, as for Tyler Algier, that guy, uh, man, he's a, he's a beast. Uh, he takes a lot of hits. He gets really banged up. I don't think I, I, I don't think I could do it. Um, but, but he carries the load extremely well, uh, and just keeps going. Um, so, so yeah, props to Tyler. And, um, I think, I think everyone overall on the team is just happy to have a little bit of time to, to rest up and heal up as we get started, um, into our bowl prep. Tyler, I don't know how much you've looked at UAB, probably not a whole lot kind of on tape and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to ask you to like break them down as a, as an offense or that, that whatnot, but I know you watch a lot of football uh, and UAB the last couple of years has been one of the kind of cooler stories in college football. They cut the program four years ago and then brought it back. Won a conference title a couple seasons ago. I know you guys played a lot of CUSA teams um, last year as well. Have you guys kind of taken notice of sort of this UAB program and what, I guess their story has been for the last few years, because it is, it is really cool. And that, I mean, could be something to sort of motivate you guys playing against them. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with, with the history of their, of their program. Um, but we're just, again, we're excited to go out and play. Um, I think, I think UAB just like any other game we've played this season, um, you know, presents, presents a new game, new challenge. Um, yeah, new opportunity to go out and, and play football, do what we love. Okay, we'll take questions now from Daniel Brown and um, Jim Watson. Hey, Tyler, uh, Daniel Brown from KTBS Sports here in Shreveport. Uh, just wondering if you had any past familiarity with the Independence Bowl, maybe watching games before, and uh, also with the city of Shreveport, how excited are you to uh, get down to the state of Louisiana? Absolutely. Uh, super excited. Um, to first off, to be able to be bowl eligible has been great. And then, uh, to be able to come down and, and play in, in Louisiana and Shreveport, uh, great opportunity. I'm super excited to, to get down there and, and enjoy it, um, before, before we play our game. Uh, Jim, go ahead. Turnovers have been key for you guys this year. Uh, how have, uh, the, the defensive line played into uh, the guys getting so many turnovers? Um, uh, our guys, have, our guys on the D line have busted their butt. That's, that's for sure. Um, we've done, uh, everything that we can, that we have been able to, to, 
uh, yeah, get, get pressure on quarterbacks, stop the run, um, force fumbles. And so I think uh, our guys up front, yeah, uh, definitely um, deserve a little bit of praise for, for how hard they've worked and, and their effort this season and um, helping uh, get those turnovers. Okay, let's uh, have questions now from Jared Lloyd and then Alex. Heading into the last game of the season, Tyler, kind of a chance to get a little bit of this break before you get ready for that one. What do you feel like you've learned from this year as you kind of think of it as a whole kind of big picture? Great question. I think overall this year, I've, I've been impressed uh, by our team, just resiliency and guys being prepared. And I think um, the biggest thing I've learned is uh, – Again, just to, to trust the guys next to you, I think that's something that we've all learned uh, cohesively as a unit um, is just to trust each other. And we've just built that trust throughout the season. Um, it's been a great year. Uh, and I think, I think it's also taught us that uh, we can, we can roll. We can, we, you know, we can be 10 and two, 11 and one, we can be 12 and 0. Um, I think just the experiences this year uh, have brought a lot of momentum and a lot of excitement to the program. Hi, Tyler. Um, Coach was saying that other than playing football, one of the things he's really excited about is, uh, you know, eating some some good food over in Louisiana. Uh, I'm curious, um, kind of as you've known him, what has been kind of like your um, not experience, but like how have you sort of seen him experience like different types of food on different road trips and things like that? And also how much is the team excited to, to get some, some good food out there and how much do you guys care about that stuff when you travel? No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think I can speak for, for the majority of the players on our team. Uh, we'll more or less eat whatever, whatever you put in front of us. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a bite of, um, good food on, on the road, you know, at home we're, we're treated really well. Um, but on the road, uh, having good food is, is always great. So I think everyone's excited to get down there and, and try some new stuff. And for guys that are, you know, from the South, um, go home and go back to the South and, and enjoy some favorites. So I think everyone overall is definitely excited, uh, for a little bit of taste of the South. There is Tyler Batty. When we come back, we're talking Utes with Christian Cox. Stay with us. It is time now to welcome in Christian Cox, former University of Utah defensive lineman. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property water costs or call 877-346-3333. Christian, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I told Jake this. What do I owe the honor to speak to the original Godfathers here? So, <laughs> been a while, Christian. Yeah, for sure. Two words: Rose Bowl. Listen, I can't. I think everybody, as we started the season, there's no way we believed that they could turn it around. I think it sums up who Kyle Whittingham is uh, with those two words. Um, Obviously dealing with tragic deaths and two deaths and basically a calendar year coming up on Ty Jordan's, uh, you know, Christmas Day uh, tragic accident. Um, It just kind of embodies what the University of Utah is and has been for the last 20 years, starting with, you know, Ron McBride. But I I think it's, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and just talk through 
you know, what's in the present, but people forget very quickly what 2012, 2013, what 2014 seasons were like and how Utah fans were kind of unhappy with the progress. But Kyle has not only led Utah through the Mountain West to the top, uh, defeated Alabama the Sugar Bowl, uh, to transitioning in the Pac-12 to becoming the best team in the Pac-12, and not only being the best team in the Pac-12, but defeating a top-10 team like Oregon twice in basically two weeks, outscoring them 76-17, to 17, just shows that the program is uh, built correctly, where you have all these other schools across the country that are just trying to swap out people. And what comes to my mind is, and people don't remember this, in 2010, I think it was my senior year, the summer before, Tennessee was coming at him very, very hot, and Kyle declined it, which is pretty crazy to think that he would decline an SEC offer in Tennessee. And he's a man of loyalty and production, and uh, couldn't be happier for all of the people up there Sharif, Morgan Scally, Lewis Powell, Sione Puha. But the players are who made it happen, and uh, the program is just churning out the same types of types of players, personas. They're just more athletic, but they all have that same level of grit, determination, and unprovenness that, like a Devin Lloyd, who was a one or a two star, is now the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and it's probably be a top ten draft pick. So, there really is a recipe that works up there. Um, I know the secret sauce. You guys know the secret sauce. It's the same secret sauce that Bill Belichick runs in New England as well. It's it's pretty incredible to see what what a, a quality program, and if it's run co- correctly and has the right type of leadership and people they want to progress and so utah's given folks that opportunity to progress up through their program all right christian we've been doing this radio show for 20 years and this is a first and i've known you for a long time after that whatever you would call it mission statement of the football program i literally have no questions for you because you started at a and you covered every single thing that makes this program what it is right down to z that might have been right there the best statement of any guest we've ever had defining why a program is successful and what a program is. I mean, I literally don't know where to go now because you just covered everything that needed to be covered. No joke. I am dead serious here. You checked off all the boxes as to why this University of Utah football program is in the position it is, and you did it in one statement. I'm done here. Hey, I mean, you literally covered everything about the only thing that I could throw at you. And that was a phenomenal statement. I'm I am dead serious. And DJ will vouch for me. I'm dead serious because he you, is serious. You, but I still got questions. I, the one thing that okay. came to my mind was, OK, you had an experience with Belichick and you sort of just put it, Belichick in there and you didn't randomly put him in there because you were with him for a, uh, a period of time. So what I would ask you then to compare and contrast these two marvelous football coaches. And when you're a football coach, it's not just uh, coaching on a Saturday. It is literally running a program 365 days a year, one at the professional level, one at the high level of college. So what do you see in those two that is common? And are there any differences that you see? 
Yeah, I, I get this question a lot, actually. When it comes to Bill and Kyle, there's also a third person I throw in there. Just just my coaching tree, right? I, I've had the privilege of playing under some amazing coaches. I played under a guy named Larry Wall at, at uh, Bountiful High School. The stadium's named after him. Uh, he produced products like Cam Jensen, Mike Wright, Brady Christensen, uh, lots of quality players. Aaron Roderick ironically played for him. Uh, but when you talk about Kyle and Bill and Larry Wall, all three of them have similarities. And the similarities are this. They are probably the most three consistent humans I've ever seen. When you talk about being on time, doing things the right way, and these aren't like abstract, you know, things that are off course. These are the simple, tiny things that separate the consistent winning programs versus the programs that don't win or your Miami Dolphins or whatever it may be. But Bill Belichick was the most consistent coach. Uh, Kyle is the most consistent coach. And they demand uh, consistency and perfection from not only their players, but their coaches. And somehow they have a knack for looking at someone who's uh, balanced in their talent. Like Coach Belichick would say, hey, the, the value you can add to the team is being multidimensional. And the example of that was in 2011 when I was there, I was hurt, I was on IR, I broke my neck. Uh, but Julian Edelman was backing up a guy named Wes Welker. Uh, Julian Edelman wasn't even playing. He was he was taking putt returns and playing backup corner through the middle of that year. He had to play corner. He had to play, he had to get some time. And if they weren't developing, you know, seventh round draft pick, undrafted free agents to be ready to play, you wouldn't get the opportunity like Julian Edelman did to, to be such a star. And he was he, honestly going one-on-one against Julian Edelman versus Wes Welker trying to tackle. Like Edelman was so nifty in space. He was like impossible to tackle. You knew he was the better guy, but he was, he was paying his dues in his time. And Kyle's done the same thing and same with Morgan Scally and Shreve Shaw. They have an eye for talent and putting guys behind him to progress. Like Cody Barton was the starting linebacker. So was Chase Hansen. But they saw something in Devin Lloyd a lot of years ago. But let's not take credit away from Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is the one who showed up to practice every single day, did extra work, did the 6 a.m. workouts, and progressed year after year after year. And what it says to me, the fact that all those seniors wanted to return, like Nick Ford, Devin Lloyd, and a bunch of the rest of the crew, shows how, how good they were with the leadership. And they wanted something to prove. And we're in a day of, of uh, personal gratification and taking the easy way out. It would have been easy for him to take a, be a third-round draft pick and go make a couple million bucks, but he saw the greater vision. And when it got hard, I think this is what's so neat about this team. Uh, it was obviously very emotional the first four games of the season, but they had every, they had every excuse to phone it in the season. They weren't where they wanted to be. Uh, they're giving up a lot of sacks. Charlie Brewer was a flop. They couldn't run the ball with him. He was a thrower, and he was getting sacked all the time. But this team, instead of running from their problems, they leaned into them and solved them, and, and it binded them together. I think that's one of the neatest stories about this year. And I compare it also back to the days of the Sugar Bowl in 2009, which feels like forever ago. That's 13 years ago, or I guess, yeah, 12 years ago. Uh, they all have that same common leadership thread, and you can hear it in Kyle's voice how much it means to him. In life and succeeding, you have to have a greater purpose. You have to have a reason why you're doing things, and this team found what their reason was. It was for those two, their two teammates, but incredible what they did this year. So, Christian, one of my questions for you was the defensive line got pushed around 
multiple times in multiple games, most noticeably against BYU and Oregon State, but there were other times in other games where they were given ground too. Why were they able to turn that around? How did they turn that around? Kyle was talking about some of the guys are freshmen. They just aren't big enough yet. So it wasn't something that I thought was going to be turned around this season, and yet they seem to have fixed it. Yeah, that's Lewis Powell. That's Sione Puha. That's Coach Whittingham. It's Morgan Scally. It's, you know, Van Fillinger, he's young. He started to settle in. Tennessee Kututau off the bench was really stepped up. Uh, obviously, Tafuna, he had a massive fumble recovery in that Oregon State game. And then Mika Tafua really blossomed. Uh, we wonder where he was the first few games. But just as a defender, and you guys know this, it is really hard to play defense when your offense isn't moving the ball or being complimentary at all. They weren't scoring. They weren't uh, getting third down completions. And so, especially against BYU, San Diego State, they were kind of stuck out there. And uh, it's hard to play ball that way. And uh, really, the, the I'd say the, the key that unlocked the door was Obviously, the thing that everyone knows is swapping in Cam Rising, plugging in some actual passion, energy, and the team believed him. If they if they voted him team captain, you know what that says? They saw him every day in, in camp. They saw him every day in practice. They saw what he did in, in, in workouts. And so once they put him in, and, and obviously the fumble issues got you know went away, Tavion Thomas has had a heck of a year. The offense became one of the strongest offenses in Utah history, and that's saying a lot. Uh, in a short eight weeks, uh, they are, they found their identity was very clear. They were going to run the ball, be physical, and these three tight ends uh, were unreal. Grant Keefe, uh, Kincaid, and Fotheringham—they all were balanced. They all played their own role. They're all different, and then that also opened up uh, the receiving core. Obviously, Ennis and Britton Covey, uh, but uh, Vele really burst onto the scene and. Uh, that's really what, and again, that's a, a roundabout answer. A better offense is what energized the defense, and the defensive line uh, settled in, played with more technique, and you got better production off the edge, and they started blitzing Devin Lloyd quite a bit on that right end. Do you think we finally, I don't know if it's out there, but for some it might be, but we finally put the uh, thought of Kyle Whittingham being an underrated coach to bed? I, I don't know what else more you want. <laughs> I, 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 I just go back to, I, I just, I, it's crystallized in my mind. I, I just got back playing in the NFL. I was injured trying to get back in the league. I was covering uh, Utah games pre and post with Hans Olsen. And yeah. I remember the rumblings of people saying that Kyle wasn't good enough. And I, I was just like, are you, are you guys insane? <laughs> and there was the, the weirdness of a, a potential swap out and, and Dr. Hill just, I don't think Dr. Hill valued him the way he should have. And the one thing you'll get in Kyle, and it's one of those things that <clears throat> uh, once you earn his respect, uh, you're in, you're in the house with him. And it, and it takes a lot to earn Kyle's respect. You guys know this. Yeah. And uh, it takes consistency, effort, commitment, work ethic, no other way. You don't get it through talking. You get it through deliverable and results. And uh, Kyle, like Bill Belichick, is the one of the most consistent, demanding of perfection in the right ways of a coach. And that's what you want from a head coach. And all of these players just you embody that. You embody your 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 leader. You embody the captain at the top. And uh, 
I, I don't know what more you want. He, he, could he go to the NFL and coach? Yes. Uh, does he want to do that? Did he want to do that? Probably. But at this point, he's a legend. Like he's he is uh, he is stadium worthy, in my opinion. Um, he's you know growing up locally in the valley, right? You looked at a Lavelle Edwards. Now I have perspective. He did that for you know decades. Kyle's done it for almost two decades now. Yep. And uh, if he wins the Rose Bowl, he's three and zero in in BCS or I guess New Year's Six championships, and has built a phenomenal program. I just I echo this to Utah fans. Look at what happened to Tennessee when Swamp Philip Fulmer left. Yep. Like, do you want to be Tennessee football? Uh, so it, it's just one of those moments you, you soak it in and you look at a high-powered school like Oregon. Well, now what are you going to do? You have to replace another coach, your third coach, in basically five years um, where you've had consistency with Kyle Whittingham. So um, I think this is a, a, the perfect step in the right direction. Uh, would I would I want him to stay for the next five years selfishly? Yes. Do I want to see Utah in a college football playoff? Absolutely. Who doesn't? Uh, but we've just got to be grateful for what we have. And this has been a very special season, and it's going to be a really historic matchup against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And that's what you grow up watching, and you got it. So I don't, I don't know where we could ask for as fans. So I want to ask you about that matchup with Ohio State. We've all seen them just torch teams. We know why they're favored. We know how many years they've been good for. If you watch their games this year, they've got three awesome receivers. So we all know how the Utes could lose this game. We can all see the scenario where they get beat. But the two times Ohio State has lost this year, they gave up 269 yards rushing to Oregon. And they gave up 297 yards rushing to Michigan. Can Utah just line up, be the bully, push him around, run for a huge number, score a bunch of points, and keep that offense out of rhythm over on the other sideline and win the game? You're getting me drooling over here, uh, DJ. That, that's, that, that'd be my exact argument. As you look at the full body of work, it's hard to compare the second game of the season because you're still figuring yourself out. Like Even if Utah lined up against San Diego State again or BYU, would it be a different game? Yeah, you don't get to live in the past. But there is something to be said with the physical nature of pushing a spread offense around. And candidly, you know, why we predicted a a victory against Oregon was Utah is not only just physical. We've just been more physical in the past. Utah has more athleticism and speed now. And their schemes are very, very strong. They're very, very balanced. And uh, it'll be a really good matchup. It'll be very interesting, uh, you know, if, if Utah can come out and, play the style that they've played all year, I I see it being a very tight matchup with an edge towards Utah. I, I just don't think Ohio State has, has played um, someone as physical as Utah, save possibly Michigan. But I don't know if the speed of – I think I would favor the speed of Utah a bit over Michigan. Michigan's a classic, just Big Ten uh, physical team and has you know great running backs as well. So – I think the the blueprints in front of you with with both of those victories in Oregon back then they had they had Verdell who ran like crazy and had some big runs in that game. So I would I would give the edge to Utah um, again being biased of course. Yeah, well, Christian, on behalf of the station and particularly our show, I want to apologize for not having you on more often because this in my twenty years I could easily rank this as a top five interview of all time. What? PJ, what? 
Are you just making my day? Are you just <laughs> the Christmas spirit? I'm used to some song of some sort. But like, wow, they, thanks, PK. No, nice. no, I base it on results just like Whittingham and Belichick and the result of this interview and the answers that you gave and the in-depth answers, long answers without rambling. That is a skill. I mean, I was listening. I did not tune out. DJ, who has no attention span, was not looking up some mindless, stupid stat on the Internet like he often does and repeats my questions because he doesn't pay attention. He didn't even do that. We were Butterfly, to- we were, shiny thing. We were totally locked in to every freaking word you said because you were on point. It was, And I'm not blowing smoke here, Christian. This was absolutely incredible. Well, thanks, PK. You guys have me on any time. Honestly, I didn't bring up having you on to Jake because you I thought you were Gordon's guy for a long time. And now uh, I, you're available. I'm, all, I'm Expect all available. a phone call. I'm available to all. I'm Hans's guy. I'm Scotty's guy. I'm everybody's guy. All so right. Whatever you, okay. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Christian. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. There's the former Ute, Christian Cox. When we come back, the best of the Jazz Post Game Show next. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz blow out the Minnesota Timberwolves. One-point game at halftime, and then the Jazz go to work. And in the next 18 minutes, they played great basketball, and they blew the Wolves off the court. It was a really, really impressive third quarter and start of the fourth quarter. And then the subs came in and finished off the game. And the Jazz move on 2-0 now on this four-game road trip. They're back-to-back. They'll be back at it again tonight. Let's get to the best of the Jazz post-game show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz got a big-time second half, and they end up blowing out the Minnesota Timberwolves 136-104 to 104 behind 36 points from Donovan Mitchell. He also had uh, five boards and a couple of assists on 14 of 23, shooting 5 of 12 from 3. Bogdanovich had 21. Clarkson had 18 coming in off the bench. Rudy with a double-double, 13 points, 10 boards, added a block shot as well. Let's get some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Personnel question. Um, my players hope for Wednesday night. Or is that something that's still the that, that wasn't the reason that he played less minutes. Um, I mean, we had a lot of guys that substitution patterns tonight were a little different um, when Rudy got in foul trouble in particular. And then we had a couple times where there were a couple groups, um, a couple lineups that were playing really well and we, you know, we stretched them. So um, those are separate issues. Yeah, I think, you know, Boyan just did a terrific job just working and making everything hard. And, you know, Rudy Gay, forget he's 6'10", you know, so he has a presence, uh, particularly on the glass. But I, I thought our, you know, it was Joe and, and JC and those guys getting in there, Don, Mike, just mixing it up on the glass and coming up with kind of loose ball-type rebounds and um, – we took advantage of, you know, some of our shooting and transition during that time too. And we got good looks and, and we shot them with confidence. Don um, scored 30 in the four straight games. Now, what have you liked about his games recently and kind of what's working for him? Well, I think he's, you know, he's had a good mix. Um, 
where you, you know he's he's spacing well off the ball, so he's getting more catch and shoot threes. Um, you know, and then he's been getting to the rim. You know, he's been rejecting and pick and roll, and um, you know when he can get to the rim like that, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So um, I think he's been defending too, which is you know as much as anything is something that I know. You know, when you're scoring like that, you can you know you can impact the game that way. But being able to impact it on both ends is something that you know that we've talked about a lot, and I know he's taken a lot of pride in. What do you do, like, defensively, specifically in the second half where they scored? You know, I, I think the way the game started, you know, I think, you know, for instance, Patrick Beverly, I mean, he, he can make that floater. Um, and he always plays well against us. Um, you know, but there were, there were some shots. Kogi hit a couple. Um, they made some shots early. And sometimes when teams are making shots, it can can be discouraging. Um, and I, I thought we, we hung in there with what we were trying to do from a game plan standpoint. And, you know, over time, you know, hopefully what you're doing – um, you know, can can make it harder on a team, and, and those percentages can change. Um, when you look at a couple of points of the game, you guys dominated for the minutes that Cat was on the bench, and you know, um, you know, you guys were able to to stress the need of rooting on the bench in the fourth quarter. How important were those those couple of junctures for you guys? I think more than, you know, who they had in the game at any point in time. Um, you know, our guys are getting used to playing with one another. I thought our communication defensively, there were some things going on there that, you know, our guys were making happen. And as I said, the the, the biggest thing is, you know, when we force a miss to be able to collect those rebounds. And particularly when we're smaller, getting our guards really involved in the boards. When we do that, you know, that fuels transition. And, um, you know, we can go on some spurts and go on some runs and that, that, that can happen. You just have to work, you know, you have to work when he's in pick and roll, you have to be up because and you have to be conscious of him in transition. It's just, you know, as much as anything mentally, you have to be um, really committed to what you're doing. And then you have to have confidence in the guys behind you, you know, because he, he's, you know, he's going to get, he's that talented offensively. So you can't get frustrated at any one play. And, you know, I thought the, the thing that Boyan was able to do is, you know, he really dug in defensively, but then, you know, on the other end, he was running the court, you know, and making people guard him. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team won 136 to 104. Let's now move on and hear from some of the players. Let's start things off with Royce O'Neal. Uh, just make things tough for him. I mean, you know, uh, we had a game plan that, you know, we were sticking to, uh, you know, guys getting foul trouble. So, uh, you know, next guy got to step up. And I think just the team effort and then just making the shots tough, boxing them out and then converting them to the other end. Uh, just take away, you know, what he wants to do, um, you know, make things tough for him, double team, you know, uh, make him kick the ball out, you know, don't let him get the ball in the post, little stuff like that. 
I mean, not really. I mean, both ways, you know, I got to talk, you know, be vocal, um, you know, help guys out and everybody's communicating with each other. So, I mean, you know, it's a little stuff like that that adds up. With kind of the, uh, obviously Minnesota was shooting the ball pretty long in the first half and uh, I mean, you know, just, you know, being more alert on defense, uh, you know, taking away those shots. I mean, it made some tough shots. Uh, and I think, you know, us just, you know, finding matchups, making things tough for them, you know, closeouts and, then, you know, just Rudy and other Rudy, you know, protecting the basket. So. How important was it for you guys to uh, extend the lead when Rudy got that four foul and, you know, uh, really important. I mean, you know, uh, we played a little five out, uh, you know, ran more. You know, we knew that was going to be like our best offense and defense. Uh, you know, we had to gain rebound, you know, as a team and then, you know, box out. Roy said before that he likes starting guys that are determined. Do you have a preference or is there something where you're like, okay, this is something that I enjoy? No, nah, I don't really care. I don't really care who I guard. Smaller, bigger. Don't matter, just take the challenge. What conversation did you have at halftime about rebounding? Uh, we knew it was going to be a team effort. Uh, you know, we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, we had to, you know, do more focus on defense and uh, then, you know, that led to fast breaks, you know, easier offense for us, you know, playing in transition more. Good seven assists. Uh, making a right pass. So I guess what was I guess what was working offensively the whole I think just us spacing, uh, you know, giving guys lane to drive, uh, getting in the paint, finding guys open for threes. Uh, you know, we we knew they were going to collapse, so we just had to find an open guy no matter what. Like, yeah, it's not just the Timberwolves versus the teams to do it too. Like, D'Lo wasn't playing, and you had a couple of the other guys that were on the bench that were. Like standing around that corner on that on that left side. Yeah. When guys are down there that close to that corner, does it keep you from like running down deep in that corner? I don't even worry about it, think about it. Uh you know, we get to the corner space, you know, that's what we do. Do you talk to you more from there in that corner? Uh yeah, of course. I mean all the time. So talk about four straight games or at least are you guys you still have the capacity to be like by seeing stuff you can do or just kind of just I mean I'm used to it, but uh I mean still some of the things he do, you know, still made some of the plays he makes. Uh you know, he's a special talent. You know, I think he's only gonna keep getting better and he wants his team to get better and you know, he looks out for his teammates and he's trying to do whatever he has to do to win. So there's Royce O'Neal. Royce, what a what a stat line for him. Nine points, but he was perfect shooting three of three, two of two from three. He had six boards, seven assists, three steals, and a block. Absolutely filling up the box score last night for Royce O'Neal. Let's now hear from uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. What's going on right for you guys? I mean, our, our defense was uh, was pretty pretty solid tonight. We had a lot of a lot of easy easy shots, especially in the second half in the third quarter and the beginning of the of the fourth. So I think that that's that's the biggest biggest difference. And uh, 
I mean, we had 13 turnovers as well, but a couple of them were right in the beginning of the game. So I think that we really took good care of the of the ball as well. Something like that third quarter when Rudy picks up his fourth foul early and you have to spend a fair amount of time at the finish I mean, I was just trying to to make him like work and then... And, tough to, to even catch the ball and, and do my work early but uh, I mean that kind of kind of hurt us but our, our second group was, uh, was phenomenal tonight JC had a, had a great game Joe was, was moving the ball so I think that, that really our second second group gave us give us a lot especially especially in the beginning of the second quarter I mean he's just just being aggressive, he saw a couple of shots going in, and now he's he's full of confidence. We we know how good he is. So, I mean, this is who he is. I mean, he's he's been playing on a, on a high level for for whole year. So, when you say you're trying to just make that work, like what does that actually mean? Pushing further out, or pushing further out, and and then fight fight with him for a position. I pick up a couple couple fouls fouls as well, fighting. Fighting to kind of to kind of play in front of him, don't allow him to get a ball because we all know how how good he is when when he when he catches the ball on a on, on a block. But it was great great team effort, and then I had really great help my teammates whenever he catches the ball. So he was he was trying to to involve his teammates as well. Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to give my effort every every single game. Maybe tonight looked looked different, but at the end he finished with 22 points. So really, seven of 11. So he he had a he had a good game. But like I said, I had a great help on. Especially from from Rudy from weak side whenever he tried he tried to to post me up but great effort all over like we had multiple guys with a uh, double double figures we we had a twenty five three so that's that's mean that we moved the ball pretty well. You mentioned that you mentioned last season I think that you like playing defense against guys that are bigger than you. Why is that? I mean I like. <laughs> It's it's kind of different, just tough to explain. But uh, but uh, whenever I guarding those guys that they are their first or second option, I got a I got a really good help from from my teammates. I know that, that Rudy is gonna Rudy is gonna be there in particular. So that's what it is. And and, and then I'm more more focused defensively as well. There's Boyan Bogdanovic, 21 points, five boards for him. And uh, you heard him talk about playing defense on. Carl Anthony Towns, where uh, they decided to go that direction a little bit and uh, thought that they were uh, pretty effective with it, particular Boyan. Let's now wrap things up with the players by hearing from Donovan Mitchell. I'm not going to lie. I forgot what he said. <laughs> let's be honest with you. I was so like, all right, like right, let's, let's fix it. You know what I mean? I think we all were. I think we were at a point where it's like, I said this to Holly after the game, I said, you know, we're at a point now where mistakes are going to happen, but we don't continue to make the same mistake or we bounce back from it. That's, that's really what a good team is, you know, and the team we want to be is, you know, we're going to, we're going to have screw ups. We're going to have situations where <laughs> situations where, you know, things don't go our way or we make stupid mistakes, but it's how do we respond? How do we, you know, 
you know, react when that happens, body language, you know, energy, focus, all that. And I think we responded the right way. And I think that's one thing that we can look at and say, okay, especially to start the game, you know, two silly turnovers, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we responded, we came out, we guarded, we got stops, we made shots. Um, so I think I'm thankful for those two turnovers because it really, like I, like I said, it really shows the growth we've had as a group because that can go the other way real quick, especially to start a game. So we, we, we really took our level to a, to a different level after that. Uh, but yeah, we were all locked in at that point. Speaking of sort of intensity, energy mm -hmm. level, was there any sort of motivation that was different for you tonight? Because you kind of came out with a I mean, we got swept. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's no secret. You know, they they swept us and, you know, they're they're a good team. You know, I, I got to give them credit because they have a lot of guys that can go get it, guard, they're athletic, they're physical. So, just trying to take what take what was given, but also just be in attack mode, you know. And I think we all kind of felt that. We all were like, you know, at the end of the day, when getting swept is not fun, you know, it's not something that we have a lot of pride on this team, and we, we took that personal. Uh, but, you know, when we play them again, it's going to be the same energy. We got it on both ends. They're going to come out. They're, we're going to come out. We got to be ready to go. But, you know, tonight we did a lot of good things, you know. Um, and we just got to continue to look at the film and get better because we got another good team coming up tomorrow. Battle, you know, that's really all you can say. It's, it's something that I, we have never really in my five years, we haven't had a situation where we have five smalls, you know, and where we have to uh, against a team that three, seven footers, yesterday or last game and then you got a team that crashes the boards literally every possession and they're athletic you know so it took a team effort but for those two specifically and Boyan <clears throat> guarding Cat being down there doing no different things and keeping him you know <clears throat> I, I would say he had an off night but he had 22 and 7 uh, but you know at the end of the day making it tough that was that's the biggest thing and you know just continuing to battle continue to fight and as a group we gang rebounded and we were able to push and, and transition and get our looks but credit to those guys taking the, taking the matchup and, and being ready to go um, I said it to you guys before. I think the pace is different. You know how I'm getting there. Um, I think before it's a lot of erratic, you know, different things. And I wouldn't even call it erratic, just like simple things that I can really fix and just kind of feel in the game a little bit, you know. And I think now it's at a point where I'm just kind of slowing down, taking what's given, um, and really going from there. Um, yeah. More times this month. Are you aware of that? I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah, we do. Um, 23rd. 20, yeah, right before the Christmas game. Yeah, and then the 30th, right? No, 30th and 31st. So, like I said, you know, they're going to be fired up. That's like we were, and it's going to be a, it's going to be really good. Next two games going to be really good. You know, and we just got to be ready for it and have the same energy we had tonight. Same focus, same same intensity. But, you know, this was a good win for us. Um, I told you all this is a road trip. I think we're all trying to see where we're at and continue to build. And we got a big one tomorrow. We got a you got Joel Embiid tomorrow. You know, we got Seth Curry. We got all them guys. So we got to be ready uh, to to game plan that and, and get out and do what we do. That is Donovan Mitchell, 36 points, 12, or excuse me, 14 of 23 shooting, 5 of 12 from 3. He also added five boards and a couple of assists. Jazz win, 136-1 over 4 over the Timberwolves. Up next, the Jazz take on Philadelphia tonight in Philly. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 4. Here's the best of the Jazz Post Game Show. What is trending? The headlines next.